Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com or at Built underscore Bar on Twitter and use that promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. up everybody welcome into locked on tigers i'm your host chris castellani it is monday march 22nd 2021 and the best weekend of sports every year except for 2020 is technically still in full swing because there's games today my michigan wolverines play tonight so we'll see what kind of mood i'm in tomorrow they play lsu but the last i'll tell you what everyone talks about man when are we going to return to normalcy and Sometimes things have felt more normal than others. Baseball never felt normal last year. College football, uh, I mean, outside from Michigan disappointing me, that is, you know, that's as a tale as old as time. So I guess that kind of felt normal to a certain extent. But this weekend, watching March Madness, the upsets, the last second shots, the dramatic moments, it felt normal again. It felt like sports was back in full swing. And I know it's not because there's few fans in the stands and you had one game that was canceled because VCU had a guy test positive for COVID. But overall, this weekend was absolute bliss. It was sports heaven. And I know this is a baseball podcast and I don't even know who I'm helping out. Lockdown Wolverines, go ahead and listen to Isaiah. He does a great job. But it was just awesome. It was just awesome. Now, I did make time to watch the Tigers' spring training games over the weekend, and I do want to talk about those. Here's another thing that's kind of reminding me that we may be returning to normal. The Detroit Tigers are starting to frustrate me (laughs) again, and it's still spring. The regular season hasn't started yet, but they're starting to frustrate me, and I'll talk about that a little bit more, probably more so in segment number two. But I'll start off with the first game that was played. This was on Friday. Casey Mize pitched for the Tigers, and uh, he pitched poorly. Three and two-thirds, eight hits, five runs, one walk, five strikeouts. I will say this, the command was a heck of a lot better, but the control was not, and there is a difference between those two things, because command to me, bad command means not throwing strikes. Bad control means you're throwing strikes, but you're not putting them in the right places, and that's what we saw from Casey Mize on Friday, threw a lot more strikes, did not get behind in as many counts, but threw a lot of pitches down the middle, a lot of pitches that got hammered, a lot of hard contact. He seems pretty lost right now, and one thing about him that I always liked when he was, and I still like him, I'm not saying I'm giving up on him, it's only spring, but one thing about him that I really thought was cool when he was drafted, I remember he did an interview the starting nine where he talked about his draft stock and he said, I knew I was the best player in the draft. And that's, you want to have that solid mental makeup. It's a guy who believes in himself. He doesn't look like that on the mound right now. I think he he needs to understand, and, and I think it's where him getting called up last year and getting 
beaten down pretty bad uh, may have hurt his confidence. I think did hurt his confidence because it seems like he's thinking. And when you start thinking, you start aiming instead of pitching. It's easier said than done, but he needs to understand that he would not have been number one overall. He would not have been an All-American. He would not have been one of the most highly touted prospects in baseball if the entire world didn't believe that this guy could get guys out consistently at the major league level. Maybe he'll figure it out. Maybe he won't. It's it's pretty troubling. It's it's not just pretty troubling. It's extremely troubling, and it's it's immensely frustrating. And I don't put it all on him. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when I talk about Manning as well in the second segment. But you're not a bad person to have been disappointed by Casey Mize's performance last year in 2020. You're not. Uh, my argument was and will always be, you know what, very small sample size. Verlander wasn't great in t- 2005 when he got called up, was rookie of the year the next year. He'll adjust, he'll be better next year. Now, he hasn't been so far. Like I said, it's still only spring. He's got a ways to go. But it is extremely frustrating when you see guys from the White Sox and guys from the Padres, or the example I used when I talked about it, the Cleveland Indians, Tristan McKenzie got called up right away, was looking like, you know, a, a Cy Young candidate. Now, fell off a little bit, but it's obvious he's going to be a major league pitcher. And yet, it just feels like when it comes to prospects in this organization, it just feels like they're pulling teeth. Everything takes so long. Like I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think Scooball has taken steps forward. I did not like what I saw out of Matt Manning yesterday, but I think it's fair in regards to mechanics in terms of pitch selection and in terms of overall stuff. He's taken some steps forward. Casey Mize right now looks worse than he did a year ago at this time, and it's very troubling. And I think it's a prime example of taking your lumps at the major leagues. I mean, this is a guy who's been successful at every level of baseball that he's been in. He got to the majors and he got beat up, and he's going to have to adjust, and he has not adjusted so far in the spring. He's looked really, really lost. I thought he would look a lot better, straight up. I was so high on him for a long time. I was higher on him than a lot of other people were. Like when people were saying, oh, I think Scooball is going to be the best out of all of them. I think Manning's going to be the best out of all of them. I was the one who's like, I I still think it's Mize. I think Mize's stuff is absolutely lethal. He has not been good. He's been a remarkable disappointment so far in spring. I didn't think he'd make the team out of spring training. I knew it would be between him and Scooball. Scooball, I thought, would probably make the team, but I thought Mize would at least pitch well enough to make the team. He hasn't, and it's been a remarkable disappointment. I brought this up on Friday, but it's worth repeating. This is going to be a bad offense. It's going to be a really bad offense. I'm looking at this box score against the Blue Jays on Friday. They were 4 for 30. 4 for 30 at the plate. Jacoby Jones was 2 for 3. The rest of the team was 2 for 27. We've reached the point in spring where you start to look at this as, okay, they've had weeks to warm up. They're kind of in season mode by this point already. If a guy doesn't have it right now, he's probably not going to have it by the time April 1st rolls around. So I, I don't think I'm, I'm being hyperbolic to have certain concerns about the offense, which I knew I would. I mean, I called that from the beginning, but good Lord. Like I said, it's like pulling teeth with this team. Uh, that'll do it for segment number one. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the next two games that went down. One was a Tigers victory. I got to give them credit for that. We'll discuss that in segment number two. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online 
your online sportsbook experts. We're covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Back for segment number two, everybody. I think that first one was kind of doom and gloom, talking about Casey Mize's underwhelming performance, and, eh, you know, I don't really take back any of it. They did win, though. They did beat the Pirates, who... I'm going to call my shot right now. And look, a win's a win, and it's spring training, so wins and losses don't really matter. The team is 8-10. and You look more for individual guys. I, I, I think it is insane when people are like, oh, that team lost a lot of spring training games. Doesn't matter. But I will say right now, I think this year's Pirates are going to contend for the worst record of all time. I think they, they have, honestly, 110, 120 loss potential. That's beside the point. Matt Boyd pitched for the Tigers, and you know what? I, as I've been so critical of Matt Boyd. I thought last year was a complete disaster for him, and I, I don't take back that comment. I think it was a disaster. He was statistically one of the worst every fifth day starting pitchers in baseball. He looks great. He looked He's looked great in spring. I thought he looked great when he pitched on Saturday. Four innings, four hits, one run, one walk, five strikeouts. He seems to have his slider back. Now, last year in spring training, he focused a bunch on developing his other pitches. And I think it ended up leading to regression because he lost that feel for his slider, which was his best pitch in 2012. 18 and in 2019, which was statistically and in terms of wins above replacement, his best year as a pro, he seems to have gotten the slider back and he's utilizing his other pitches pretty well. I still don't think the ceiling on him is very high. Look, we're going to go through this forever. You guys know how I feel about Matt Boyd. You guys know how I feel about how the Tigers have handled Matt Boyd and the asinine decision to hold on to him at the deadline in 2019. But we can't just it's not fair to him to just look at him like some some bastard stepchild just because I wish the Tigers would have traded him when they had the chance. He's he's going to still go out there and try to perform. He's looked he's looked really solid and I had that not debate, but I had that conversation with Scott last week where I said that I think it's I think 55-45 percentage that Turnbull is the starter on opening day. I'm rescinding that. I think Matt Boyd will be the opening day starter, and I like Spencer Turnbull a lot. And Spencer Turnbull's pitched some really good baseball in spring so far, but Boyd is the the veteran of the staff, which to me doesn't mean much if you're a veteran on a team that loses 100 games a year, but he is the oldest tenured pitcher on the staff. He has, at his peak, pitched better baseball than anyone on the staff, outside of maybe Tehran, but Tehran didn't do it in Detroit. He's looked good so far. I have I have no complaints about how Matt Boyd's looked. I think he's handled himself professionally. He always has. The stuff looks better. Hopefully it carries over this season. Miguel Cabrera hit his first home run of the spring. He's had a brutal spring. I mean, he was one for two yesterday, but he's currently rocking a 185 average and a 540 OPS. Over the last couple years, and it's a meme at this point, but I've made so many jokes about, oh, Miguel Cabrera's in the best shape of his life, and I always roll my eyes at that stuff, and I don't blame myself for doing so, but he has had, admittedly, really good springs over the last few years. He has not had one this year. He has not looked particularly good. He's been behind on a lot of pitches. Hopefully, yesterday's home run allows him to get going. I mean, with that said, outside of Willie Castro and Akil Badu, who I'll talk about here in a second, no one's really gotten going. Though I will say, Renato Nunez, who who started a little bit late in spring training. He was one of the late arrivals and was a late signing. I mean, the Tigers picked him up, what, like a month ago? 
has showed some promise. He went two for two on Saturday with a double and two RBIs. Now, I think because he arrived late, some people maybe forgot the fact that there were a fair amount of people who were really happy with that signing, that they took a flyer out on him. He was uh, not, his option wasn't picked up by the Orioles and the Tigers decided to scoop him. He's got mad power. He does. He he has pop. The problem is there's such a weird traffic jam and and we don't know who's going to make the team yet. Obviously things will become a lot more clear once the official announce, once the official announcement comes out regarding who the 26 man roster is going to be made up of. But Renato Nunez at first base, you could do worse. I'm not super happy with it. Obviously, I'd I'd be fine with Isaac Paredes making the team. You move him to third, and then Jamer goes back to first. We'll see. It seems like he's playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, which I don't blame him for. I mean, Jesus, if you're getting let go by the Orioles, then you got a problem. But he was, like, one of their better hitters a year ago, and in 2019 as well. Now, again, the Orioles stunk, so it's not saying much, but he's still pretty young. I think only, like, 26 years old. Those moves are the kind of moves I would have preferred Avila had have made from the beginning during this rebuild. Get guys who maybe are a little bit unproven, but have a high ceiling. Like, it's just driven me nuts that they've consistently gone back to the well that is full of Jordy Mercers and Josh Harrison's and Francisco Liriano's guys who everyone knows their best days are behind him, and you bring him in hoping that they find some sort of resurgence. And moves like Renato Nunez, a young guy with some upside, are moves that I'm a fan of. Maybe he makes the team, maybe he doesn't, but there's zero problem with trying. Lastly, for this segment, I want to talk about yesterday's game. The Tigers did beat the Philadelphia Phillies 5-3 thanks to two home runs. A few pitchers I want to talk about, but I'm going to work backwards and talk about a guy who was great yesterday that uh, I have been, again, critical, but I'm critical of everybody. I'm always critical. There's people, I'm critical of myself. So, like, to say, oh, I'm critical of this guy, you guys know that if somebody does something well, I'll be the first one up here to be like, hey, congratulations, I'm happy they're doing well. I don't know why I'm going off on a tangent about it. It's been a long day already. But Michael Fulmer looked great yesterday, and he was using, I think, five or six different pitches, which is... Unlike him, but I think unnecessary evil. If this guy wants to survive at the major league level, I don't think he's going to be capable of doing it with the three-pitch mix that he's had throughout his career. You see him mixing in, or I guess it was technically a four-pitch mix because he threw two different fastballs, but you saw him mixing his fastballs, throwing in curveballs, sliders, change-ups, and he got nine swings and misses in three innings. And it, it kind of supports my belief that maybe Michael Fulmer would work better out of the bullpen. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, look, I, I don't I don't think Michael Fulmer is toast as a pitcher in baseball. I don't believe that he's ever going to be a major league a solid major league starting pitcher ever again, personally. Now if he proves me wrong, I'll be happy. I hope he proves me wrong. It would be wonderful, but I don't see it. But out of the pen, I think there's 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 still enough heat on that fastball, especially going one or two innings at a time where he could maybe be something. We'll see. Matt Manning started yesterday, two innings, two earned, two walks, three hits, two strikeouts. Uh, he looked awful. He looked really, really bad. He couldn't throw a fastball for strikes. His first fastball of the day was 91 miles per hour. He, he revved up a little bit in the second inning, but it was hovering between 91 and 94. And I get he's trying to pace himself a little bit. I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I don't believe he's injured or anything. But, okay, this is where I get frustrated. And this is where this organization, I'm, I'm all, all remind, reminded immediately of like why this team has driven me nuts over the last several years. Casey Mize was number one overall pick. What's Casey Mize's issue been? He can't throw strikes. He's not, he's not locating his fastball. He's not locating any of his pitches, but mainly he can't locate the heater. 
Matt Manning has great stuff. He's a great prospect. I think he'll be a wonderful pitcher. Been in the organization now for five years. Come June, he will have been a part of the Tigers organization for five years. Still has trouble with fastball command. Tarek Skubal looks pretty darn good. I think he's going to make the team out of spring training. What's his one issue? Fastball command. When you have three pitchers in the top 35 of all prospects, and all three of them have the same problem, it's not them, it's you. There's something organizationally that needs to be corrected. If it was one of these guys, I'd say, hey, man, that's on them. It's like there's certain prospects that the Tigers have swung and missed on that I don't necessarily blame them for. Like Jake Rogers, I, I think the Tigers did all they could to try to fix his swing, to try to develop and develop him into a solid bat, and he's shown him nothing. That's one guy. Three pitchers all have the same issue, and it's the three guys that you have essentially built this entire rebuild around. Now, you could say Torkelson and Green, but let's be real. The first big pick of this rebuild was Casey Mize. If you want to argue it was Matt Manning, sure, but that technically that preceded the rebuild. It's very, very frustrating to me. And not just frustrating, it's borderline maddening, in my opinion, why that happens. I mean, like I said, other organizations... They churn these guys out like clockwork. Like, I'm watching the Royals, who, you know, I mean, they won a World Series, so maybe they are a great organization, and the World Series was six years ago now, but Bobby Witt Jr. looks like a pro right now. Bobby Witt Jr. drafted in the same draft as Riley Green. He has torn it up in spring, and Riley Green, I think, is going to be the best player of any Tigers prospect right now. He looked awful in the spring. They optioned him. And they, and they should have made a few plays defensively, but he didn't hit. It's like, I, I think these guys are still going to be solid players. And I've said from the beginning, I will believe that they will be solid until I don't, until something happens that makes me change my opinion. But again, as I talked about with Casey Mize, you're not a bad person for being a little bit disappointed in how some of these guys have performed in the last couple spring trainings. Now, like I said, Manning has taken steps forward. Uh, I don't think he should make the team out of spring training. He won't make the team out of spring training. I think they already optioned him. But when the same guys have the same problem, to me, that's that's an organizational issue, and it's frustrating as hell. All right, we'll be back. I have one more segment. I want to talk about something that happened over the weekend in college baseball. Talk about that in just a second. Be right back. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best. It is Built Bar Madness, and today's matchup is coconut versus birthday cake. I'm not a fan of coconutty thingies, so I'm going to go with birthday cake on this one. Check back in tomorrow to find out who won today's matchup, and you can find out by going to BuiltBar.com or at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Beginning this Wednesday, Locked On MLB podcasts are featuring one of the biggest events of the year, the Locked On MLB Division Preview Series. All of our local experts in every MLB market answer the biggest questions around each team. Follow Locked On MLB on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back for the last segment. Thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. I wanted to talk about this because it's something that stuck in my head over the weekend during all the the actual madness that was going on in March. A really neat thing happened in college baseball. Jack Leiter, who is either going to be the number one or number two pick in the draft. I I know people are wondering, oh man, are these guys going to fall? I would be stunned 
if Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, who are teammates, both pitchers at Vanderbilt right now, Kumar Rocker, the 2019 College World Series MVP, broke Michigan's heart that year when he was just dominant through a no-hitter against Duke, I believe, in the Super Regional. Those guys are going to be going 1-2 and two in the draft, and it's crazy that they're on the same team. But Jack Leiter, who has had an amazing season so far, threw a no-hitter for Vanderbilt, an absolutely dominating, overwhelming performance. This kid looks like he's going to be a generational talent. 16 strikeouts. He was absolutely dealing. Stuff is great. He's a fun pitcher to watch. I mean, I was watching the last inning, and man, this dude is absolutely electric. And I give him a lot of credit. Great moment for him. He should enjoy it. He should celebrate it. He should cherish it. But... Something about it didn't sit well with me, and it has nothing to do with Jack Leiter, who was amazing, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that performance, but it was the pitch count. 124 pitches, and it brings up an issue that I've had with college baseball over the last decade or so. When a pitcher becomes part of a major league organization, they are immediately monitored. We monitor innings. We monitor pitch count. If there's even the slightest amount of discomfort in their arm, you shut them down for two weeks. You know, if if a season is over or if the team isn't competitive, you shut them down for the season. They don't pitch in the postseason because you want to save his arm. Which, by the way, I have no I have no problem with. I, I encourage that to be honest. I, I think you should monitor a young pitcher. I think you should pay attention to his arm and his stuff and make sure that the pitch count is down. You want him to give you the most innings that he can when he gets to the major leagues. I don't want Matt Manning to be going eight innings a start in AAA. We want him to be going seven innings a start when he gets to Detroit. So I have no issue with that. But why is it that there's no monitoring of pitchers in college baseball? Why is it that pitchers in college baseball are allowed to throw an obscene amount of pitches in a start? Now in the postseason, sure, I get it. I understand it. You're going for a championship. Alex Fiedo throwing 120-something pitches in, in for Florida in the College World Series. Fine. That's whatever. But this was essentially a meaningless game for Vanderbilt. Meaningless. And Vanderbilt's going to go deep in the NCAA tournament. They were going to win the game anyway. And you're stretching this guy for 124 pitches. And if, if people think that I'm being paranoid or something, you go back and you, you look at some of the recent big arm blowouts. Matt Harvey, perfect example. I want to say when he was at UNC, because I remember there was a documentary about him about six years ago. I think in a game against Clemson, he threw like 151 pitches in a complete game. Why? That's coaching malpractice. Like I, I, And this is where, and people are going to hate me for this, okay? Especially college baseball players, but it's true. College baseball is different than college basketball or college football. It just is. And I'm not even talking about in terms of revenue sharing. I'm talking about the fact that a player like Jack Leiter went to Vanderbilt for the purpose of making it to the pros and being a top pro prospect. And if you're not going to pay the players, which, you know, that's another argument, guys, you know, making money off of their likeness, but they can talk about that at another point then you have to do all you can to protect them. And I just, I don't think it's healthy for Jack Leiter to be throwing 110 plus pitches in every single one of his starts. And people say, oh, well, there's, you have longer breaks in between starts. Okay, sure, I guess. But you're still taxing the arm. You're still getting a ton of miles on it by the time you get to professional baseball. That's why so many guys blow out their arms when they're in the minor leagues. They've pitched a million innings in college and in high school. I know in high school, at least in Michigan, I think there's a 10-inning limit. I think in one day, you can't pitch more than 10 innings. So if it's doubleheader, a guy could technically pitch 5-5, five and five, or if they're only pitching in one game, you can pitch them 
10 innings if the game goes that far. It's only a seven-inning game in Michigan high school baseball. So there's some monitoring there, at least in the state that I live in, but none in college baseball. And it's why I would propose that I think all starting pitchers in college baseball, at least until you get to the postseason, though I would argue that the postseason should have some limit as well, I think all starting pitchers should be held to a 100-pitch limit personally because I'm so I'm just so tired of having a, a major league pitcher I'm sorry a college pitcher or even a high school pitcher get drafted and when you know at some point ah oh, well the guy's probably gonna blow out his arm he's gonna have Tommy John it's I hate when people are like oh it's a rite of passage for a pitcher it's a rite of passage for pitchers at this point it shouldn't be that's like saying a tearing your ACL is a rite of passage if you're a running back coming out of college going into the NFL it shouldn't be these guys should be monitored at a young age. I'm sorry. The guys should not be getting Tommy John in college and high school. They should be getting it at the age that, like, Verlander's getting it. He's 39. Like, he's pitched a million innings. Blew out his arm. Hopefully he comes back. Maybe in Detroit. I love Verlander. But you know what? If he never does, guy had an amazing career. And outside of that core injury in 14 and 15, did not have a whole lot of injuries his entire career. Guy pitched 30 starts a year, 200 innings a year, like, every season. It was remarkable. Yeah, so that's just something that's stuck in my head, and, and obviously, you know, you're happy for Jack Leiter, but if the, that's the other thing, too. If this was a major league game, and he was at 100-something pitches after seven innings, they'd have pulled him. Why are college pitchers held to a different standard when it's the, the professional pitchers and the minor league pitchers who or, these organizations are trying to protect? I think it's odd. But that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I will be right back here tomorrow when I do a locker room. I'll throw the link out. If you have any questions, you want to speak to me, I may include them as part of my podcast. I'm This is going to be a huge trial run, but it's something Lockdown is really pushing, and I'm excited to try it. So look forward to that. Be back here tomorrow. I may be in a great mood. I may not be because Michigan might be in the Sweet 16. I'm not sure. We'll see. But I will see you then. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and go Tigers.